0: Next and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to The Coaches Panel.
1: This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cotchen from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Vanderbury from the Collingwood Football Club, you're listening to The Coaches Panel. Patrick Gooch from the Car Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to The Coaches Panel.
2: Hey friends, it's MJ from The Coaches Panel. Nice to be chatting with you. Round two of the fantasy footy year is in the books, and there is still plenty of stuff that we are learning in this Brand new way of doing fantasy footy Hello, you got MJ I've got a couple of members of the panel here to talk about some of the big issues of fantasy footy Of all of the formats that you choose to play uh, Joining me on the line, I've got Tim Hello buddy, how are you? Yeah, pretty good, pretty good, thanks Up and about, it's nice to see you. And uh, for the first time in a couple of months We've, we've dragged him uh, out of the realms of Canberra. We've got Rids, hello buddy
0: Hey mate, how you going? Um, I'm using Zoom for the first time How about how that? How do you feel? Oh, uh... Yeah, whatever. Okay. okay
2: fair enough. Uh, boys, Dirty. Yeah, yeah, it's fair enough too. Um, that's why you turned the, the uh, video part off. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, there is a heap to talk about. I want to talk break evens, not just the negative, but the guys that have got monster break evens and some trade strategies around that. Also looking at some mid price and breakout and premium moves. We should be making those. We should get away from also got some Patreons that we want to thank some questions to get to uh, that. You've been reaching out to us via social media, media. So want to make sure we get through all of those things. But right at the top of the episode, um, let's talk about probably the biggest news that's hit the fantasy footy community over the past 24 hours. In fact, the past two or three. Um, And that is that Dustin Martin uh, will miss Thursday night's game against the Hawthorne footy club with bruised ribs and rids. When we talk about one of the most relevant forwards in terms of high ownership numbers across all the formats, There's not many more popular in the games than Dustin Martin this year. What should we do with him?
0: Well, I think actually this year it's going to be a little bit different than most other years. So this year, round two, you would never probably much contemplate trading, would you, after two rounds of football? But this year is a slightly different thing. So Supercoach has become more like AFL Fantasy with all the increased trades and less shortened season. So, potentially, you could utilise him to maybe go to a good matchup this week and then try and bring him back over the next round or two. Um, Dream Team's the real interesting one because I just don't think there's enough trades to complete your team if you go making um, premium sideways, premium to mid-pricer, and so on and so forth. And I know we will talk about it later on, but a lot of us would have been caught out already after one week. So, I... I really do think it's a format-to-format format type of scenario. And then it's more around who have you actually missed in the first couple of rounds? Mm. I know that's a weird thing to say. And who could you possibly bring in who's got a friendly fixture? I mean, a perfect example would be Max Gorn, wouldn't it? Yeah. In Supercoach.
2: Yeah. Well, especially if you've got the 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 dual position flexibility. To be able to maximise that, he's absolutely the one to be rolling through.
0: Yeah, and exactly like if people might have um, had Naismith and held on to him for the year, um, for the week, and now yep. he's out again. Potentially, um, can you get a Dusty down to someone and a Naismith up to a Goldstein or a Gorn?
2: Yeah, well, we talk about you know potential viable if you don't have that dual position forward split. Uh, The most popular or the highest scoring forwards at the moment is Michael Walters, Connor Rosie, Brad Ebert, Bailey Smith and and Christian Petrarca. Uh, um, uh, Probably four or five of the names. Do any of them in that format of super coach appeal to you if you can't move it on to a Max Gorn type?
0: Uh, I mean, it's one of those ones, isn't it? Like, you've just got to go with your gut feel and who you like watching. Obviously, Petrarca. Jumps out at you, Mm -hmm. and he was so good last week. But surely it's going to be a matter of time. Why you would tag a Jack Viney who can't kick the ball, or like, and then leave a Petrarca run free like he did on the weekend in the first half was just nuts. Yeah, so I mean. Wingard had a good first round, but then he probably lost a little bit of fitness or whatever else over the 10-week break or whatever it was. Mm. And so round two was slightly down on the output. I mean, who knows, though? Like, it's just so hard to read at the moment. A Sonny Walters, potentially. But I don't see a forward-for-forward swap as a good option. I see it as an opportunity to maybe bring in someone who's going to average more than Dusty. The only thing that I can see in Supercoach are the rucks being massively inflated scores at the moment.
2: So would would a Segler before, and Tim, I'll come to you about AFL fantasy in a sec. Is someone like a John Segler in Supercoach that nice candidate in the forward line still to get?
0: Well, he could be. Um, He's got a reasonably friendly matchup, although Grundy didn't particularly go well against Soldo like many expected he would. So it's just such a weird year. And I'm going to say that all the time, I know. It's so unpredictable and it's week to week, isn't it?
2: Yeah, well, you're right. You talk about guys that... Round one, flew out of the gate. Round two, things just didn't work out for us. I think Dream Tim, we've talked a little bit about it in terms of how many trades you've used and not used and the priorities through there. Tim, in AFL Fantasy, is it a pretty simple decision of you've got three trades available for you this week? If you're Dustin Martin owner, I think 50, 60% of the competition in that format are. Is it just a very simple move him on?
1: Uh, And look, if he's only going to be out for one week, I would still keep him. Right. Because you know he's going to be one of the best six forwards and then after this week you'll want him um, and he might even be a little bit more unique. But if you have uncertainty about him, so like I know last week May Smith was out with hamstring tightness and now he's going to be out again. If you've got something like that in fantasy, typically you, you tend to trade him, yeah, if it's a, sort of a one plus unknown. So I guess I'd be looking for more info, but yeah, if you can't guarantee he's just going to miss one and... You don't have three more pressing things, yeah. I think you just have to trade him.
2: Yeah. All right. Fair enough. And that's the difficult thing. At time of recording, it's only been a couple of hours since it was announced he was missing. There's no time frame on whether he's going to play next week or not. Uh, what coaches probably are most frustrated about, outside of potentially having to trade him, is in AFL fantasy, the Thursday night games are the only chance you can loophole, and the Tigers have multiple Thursday night games in this first portion of the fixture reveal. And so maybe for you, you're also now losing that vice-captaincy option um, to have a second shot at captaincy. That dream teamers and super coaches, you get every game every week. But for AFL Fantasy coaches, it just might sting you that little bit more rolling through there.
0: So MJ, just with AFL Fantasy, because there's three trades a week for the first two or three weeks mm. um, since the break, it's almost as if like you can utilise that and become... You know more strategic in the next one or two rounds, yeah to be able to utilize the third trade where you wouldn't be able to use to previously, so let's just say hypothetically, you have missed um one of the major rookies, okay, and you've got a massive negative break even there a dusty to that rookie means you could potentially pick up a premium in another line, and then with the third trade go another rookie, okay, and free up some more cash in preparation to get a Dusty back next week if he is named in AFL Fantasy. Yeah. So AFL Fantasy, believe it or not, I don't know whether it's been planned or not, Was is probably more strategic over the first three weeks than it is for the rest of the year.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. And I like that strategy too, where we've now got um, now round three, round four, and I believe round five off the top of my head um, is um, the, the extra trades we get. So we do, you're right, have this extra opportunity that other formats don't have to really lean in heavily and really maximize that additional trade where for the rest of the formats, you kind of got this big, bulk of them at the start of last week and if you used them well well done and if you got a little bit tripped and trapped um, over the mid prices or trying to chase the break evens or whatever you were doing it might have hurt you a little bit more through there but look i I think there's it's a fascinating discussion around what people do with dustin martin is he a one-week injury or not well we've seen with naismith he was anticipated to be a week but he's not Um, is dusty back next week we just don't know What's your bench coverage like? That might, If you're still rolling a Kavara, for example, rolling through there, that might also determine some of the outcomes you make um, through there. So it's always a cascading impact of decisions. It's never just one isolated pick for pick. It's every other move that you make beyond that. Um,
1: Yeah, so good point, Rid. So basically you're saying in the first, I think it's the first four weeks, don't we have three trades in fantasy? You're almost using that like the uh, traditional multi-buy rounds where you've got three yeah. trades a week for three weeks and you can use that to trade around players' buys. So you could almost do that with Dusty.
0: Yeah, I think he could. And so it would be a very, very similar approach to like just thinking of Dusty Martin being having a buy this week until you find out more data about him next week and then determining what you can and can't do. But again, it's going to come down, and I know we're going to discuss it later on, it's about break-evens and the importance of dollars and points and through that whole like routine. Because across each format, it's totally different. Like, and we're seeing it more and more. So with a dustier cape, traditionally if you got him you could actually trade him down pick up someone else like let's just say last week a viney was all the rage okay so viney would have been a lot less money you could have jumped on a viney banked an extra hundred thousand or whatever it would have been and then done another downgrade and had 200 sitting in the kitty potentially for next week where you got another three trades so it would only be another fattened uh, another week for a cow to fatten mm. and then get him to dusty again next week
2: yeah.
0: might only require an extra one hundred and fifty two hundred thousand potentially.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So it all comes down to just planning yourself. But then on top of that, again, next week you may have two downgrade options because you've mm. got three trades to upgrade that fattened cow to get the guy you want. So these first three or four weeks in AFL fantasy is going to be where you make the most ground. So if you are sideways trading all the time, it's really not a great idea Mm. unless you come up with a strategy strategy around bringing that player back or someone of his caliber. Yeah.
2: We've said it multiple times across the preseason already once we knew that it was going to be a compromised length of games and compromised amount of games. And again, over the past few weeks is uh, the further behind you find yourself this year early, the harder it is to chase the pack. And so moves need to be made early. Yes, you know, if you wise with your trades especially in dream team you might make up some gaps late in the year with only just the 24 trades across the year but it's going to be a fascinating year to see in a retrospective perspective um
0: what the right i think that's, are. i think that could be said about super coach and afl Fantasy you see 100 percent mj yeah i think dream team's going to be the one that's going to be a slightly different Mm. where trades in the hand, if there's a few bit of carnage later on, we could see potentially two, three, four hundred 400 points made in a week by people who have conserved yeah. when carnage occurs. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's true. It's very, very true. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to, to watch that out. You, you talked interestingly, Rids, about break-evens and, and chasing guys with these... High break-evens. We often talk about the cash cows and there's an article up at coachespanel.tv right now where we've listed across every format all the players with a negative break-even. But we need to look at these guys that have got arguably the highest break-evens across all the formats um, for a number of reasons. But one of them is simply because we know that in one, two, three weeks' time, these players are going to be prime candidates Potentially, to bring in as value options into our sides, if we were to look at Supercoach right now, just so you know i 'm discounting Nick Newman knowing that he's out of for the rest of the year, we 're not going to consider him as an option, but let me read you through the next top ten players um, across the formats in terms of with with the best break even from a how much they 've got to drop. Ricky Henderson in Supercoach has got a one seventy one yep. We're already starting talking about Ricky Henderson. Matthew Cruiser with a one sixty-eight. Probably the first most relevant names to get two Rids. There's a bunch of them in the one sixties at four and five. And with a one sixty six, it's Jackson McCrae. And interestingly, before we get any further, Marcus Bontempelli with a one
0: sixty four. So I mean is the one that jumps out the screen, doesn't he? Because he's got the the ball match up this week. Yeah. So, again, with the one, plainly play each other once, you know, for the year and everything else. So, But reality says what we've seen in the first two weeks of Supercoach with the shortened quarters and the shortened game time, but there's been no percentage cut out of the overall points, Mm. means 160 is very achievable on any given week for anyone. I mean, I think Riley O'Brien made 160 last week. He did. And that's in a team that lost by you know, the better part of 15 goals. Yep. So I just think it's one of those ones where you're going to have to manage your expectations a little bit because we're not going to see these premiums drop as sharply or as much as years gone by. Mm.
2: Yeah, it's really, really true. Uh, For the rest of the names, if you're wondering about the top, and and Tim, I'm curious about your take on on some of these players' names that might be of relevance. Um, Josh Kelly's got a break-even of 155. So does Patrick Dangerfield. Dane Zorka, spending a little bit more time forward. He's through there. Josh Dunkley at 148. Elliot Yeo at 148. um, And... uh, Look, Jack Zebel, I suppose, if we want to throw a name in at 150 as a mid-forward. Matt Crouch, probably the next other one, and Brody Smith. Both had break-evens of 142. So, um, as Rid said, these are all very, very achievable, aren't they?
1: They are. And, look, they're they're a little bit different, too. So, like obviously, Zebel's sort of still coming back from injury. You might argue he's not fully fit, but um, he'll get there. And Dunkley, I mean, you couldn't trade Dunkley after last week. He, he no. was just back into it, so... Um, even if he's got a big break even like there's no money to really to be made by waiting on him i don't think uh who was the other one josh kelly so yeah. i don't think kelly's played that badly He's just like he seemed to be in a bunch of center bounces still and um i don't know, I don't know if it's just him or the uh, the whole gws side so he hasn't been noticeably terrible with scoring but uh, obviously not at uh, the level you'd expect and i think he's yeah, it's probably a bit like Ridd said. He's probably one that you just wouldn't drop in dream team because of the lesser trades. But if you had a plan to work around him in the other two formats with all their trades, you might be able to do something there. But um, I'd still be wary of trading out Josh Kelly because he's, you know, is there a good reason why he hasn't scored yet so far? Or it's just been a couple of uh, slower games.
2: Yeah, I, there, there's nothing for me that's given me any concern in terms of role or things like that. So. Yeah, disappointing if you're owning him, but certainly I wouldn't be um, jumping off anything panicking too much, especially knowing they come up against the Bulldogs this week, who are one of a few teams that we've seen so far in 2020. Yes, it's two games of data, but uh, there are a number of teams we're seeing that are giving away points to certain teams, and the Bulldogs are doing that. Adelaide's the other one, by the way. But, um, yeah, no, I wouldn't be... I'd be disappointed if I owned him, but I certainly wouldn't be panicking.
0: I think... think Josh Kelly is an interesting one because I think he sort of highlights the overall trend that we are watching Mm. across all the board, like all the formats, okay? The guys who are more outside, and with the exception of, I'll say, Gaff and Zach Merritt at this point in time, Mm. um, just don't seem to be getting the scores that you'd expect them to in comparison to the guys who are more inside, if that makes sense, or the rucks specifically in in Supercoach. It's a real weird imbalance at the moment. And I know Jack Billings potentially is another one who's more outside. But there's only a few, whereas guys like McRae and Kelly and others that we would have assumed to be a safe bet, you know, just haven't really hit that mark yet, have they?
2: Mm, no, I think that's absolutely right. So it's a great observation that's going to help us as we consider who we look to trade into, whether it be this week as a premium switch, um, as we've talked about for a player like a Dusty, or the trade upgrades we look to make over the next couple of weeks. If we look at Dream Team uh, in that format, in terms of the players with the biggest break-evens, again, I'm going to look past Nick Newman, who does have the highest break-even for us. It's Jared Witz. Um, at 142. Josh Kelly um, is 134. Lockie Whitfield, 133. Bontempelli is at 131. At 127 is Jack McRae. Then a bunch of some potentially relevant names to look at too. Matt Crouch, 125. Patrick Dangerfield uh, has got himself in at the 120 marker, as does Brody Smith. Um, Brad Crouch at 114. And then Toby Greens, probably the next one that's worth talking about, Rids. He's got a break-even of 113. <laughs>
0: But again, none of them seem really like, I mean, on any given week, any of these guys can score anywhere within 20 points of that. So what are you actually looking at dropping in price is only around the 15 to 20,000, potentially 30,000 for the week, which is bugger all like over the course of the journey. So in a dream team where you've got to be a little bit careful with your trades because mm. you've only started with 24, I really think dream team's the one where you're going to have to start being really cautious with going sideways down and all that. There's always going to be people that attack with trades and everything else. There's mm. no problems about that. People are going to hate watching so-and-so and so-and-so. And so. But, I just keeps jumping out at me like a Dunkley to a Viney this week cost 40 points. Hmm. Now, of course, that frees up dollars and it can be used elsewhere to make up that 40 points. But I just don't see the drops from years gone by. Yeah, this year is weird. I've, as I oh. said, I'm going to say it a lot. I do apologise. But it's weird. So we're going to have to adjust for the weird year. And really, what do we got? We got two games of data, one from ages ago and one from last week, where I don't know if you can trust it, can you? No, I, I,
2: I wouldn't put a whole heap of faith in it. Again, as you say in Dream Team, knowing that potentially coaches are now rocking with 20 trades. If they used all four available to them to use last week, they now have 20 trades and arguably still at least nine, potentially up to 11 upgrades to go, depending on um, how they've structured their side and the trades they've made. And generally, it does take you at
0: least two trades to get the upgrades you need. And that's even without looking for injury, without looking for... There's going to be some point in time, what is it, a 17-round season? We're only two down... So, 14 rounds to go. I reckon by about round 10 to 13 around that ballpark, there's going to be a few teams that can't make finals and potentially guys who cop a knock, that could be the end of the season. Absolutely. And we're already seeing Adelaide. We're already seeing Western Bulldogs underperforming. We've Carson, already, Gold 100. Coast potentially have been a bit better than what they have been years gone. But yeah. there could be a group of three or four teams, though, sitting around, you know, two, three wins at that point of the year. Correct. Where I just, I reckon there's a lot of variables here. And I reckon yeah. um, Dream Team should, you know what I feel about Dream Team. Yes. I think they've undercut us by about three or four trades here. Yeah, I would, have,
2: I would have loved 30. I reckon if they'd matched Supercoach, that would have been absolutely perfect. Um, place to be. Um, sadly, not to be for us, um, but it, it just makes it a, a unique challenge. Uh, for, for those of us that are, that are playing that format of the game, it's going to require Every format, we always say, requires a different strategy. This year, even more than ever, Dream Team's going to require a different strategy to AFL Fantasy and also
0: to Supercoach. It's, um, it's... So I suppose the other relevant part is what, what constitutes a premium score and what's the average, what's acceptable and what's not acceptable and what is a premium, what's a mid-pricer and what's a rookie. Like, I mean, if a rookie's averaging 50 or 55 or 60 this year, It just makes mid-prices irrelevant, does it not?
2: Well, because all the formats and and Dream Team, uh, for Fantasy Supercoach, have all adjusted how the break-evens and the cash generation has been done, both losing and the gaining of it. So a 40, it's kind of closer to a 55, 60. Um, An 85 is kind of closer to 100 um, through there. So all of the formats have done that weighting so that, Mid prices if they don't hit their premium territory, are they irrelevant now?
0: Well, I actually love. Well, I'm actually thinking more like from the rookie side of things. Okay, that the rookies are still playing the same amount percentage of game time. Potentially, there's less fatigue because you're not playing up certain amount of minutes each round. They they could potentially be scoring the same as what they would like like last year. You know, Mm. increased game time. There might be no impact around them. We've often seen rookies in their first season die late and fade. So my question, though, is it's really important to nail that mid-price so that's going to be around close enough to a premium mark because I don't think paying top dollar at this point in time outside of the rucks for um, super Coach, is even really a, an option at this point in time.
2: Yeah, it's, it's an interesting point. Um, well, let's talk about aFA Fantasy. Then in that format, Tim, um, if we were to look again, discounting Nick Newman, um, the guys that have the biggest break-evens, they're not as big as you think because there's only five other guys that have a break-even in triple figures. Ricky Henderson is the most, beyond Nick Newman at 109. Then it's Josh Kelly at 108. Lockie Whitfield, 104. Jack McRae, 102. Jared Witts, 102 and let's be generous, let's throw Bont in at 99. We've said it a little bit with Rids a couple of times too. While they haven't delivered it just yet in this year, every single one of those players are capable of doing that comfortably and more, even in shortened quarters.
1: Yeah, I was just thinking that as you were reading the list out. Like, Josh Kelly, so yes, Josh Kelly's break even's 108. 108, yep. which I guess if you put it to a normal year, that's somewhere around 130. And he's I know it's only two weeks, but he's playing the bottom team in the Bulldogs. Mm. So, you know, would you bet against Josh Kelly getting 130 against the bottom team? Nope. Um, You know, I wouldn't be trading him out, basically. And there's no guarantee, as Richard was saying earlier, that he drops all that much if you're uh, waiting for him to come down. Um, The only one on that list you probably think, yeah, he's not going to hit this week's break even is the Bonds. And that's not so much that he's uh, become a bad player. It's just that he's getting tagged by DeBoer.
2: Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. You know, If we start looking a little bit further down the list in terms of people that are being talked about as trade-out candidates um, for a variety of reasons. Brody Smith um, is a really popular option in around about 16% of AFL fantasy sides. Hasn't had a great start to the year like the rest of his team, but has what you'd think is an achievable break even of 89 Um so I don't know Tim is, is that the kind of move should someone be looking at moving a Brodie Smith on as a priority this week
1: well I haven't seen an Adelaide game in depth with him so has his role changed markedly from what people think or is it more a symptom of the fact that Adelaide as a whole has gone backwards and they're just not getting uh, him the amount of ball that he would be expecting
2: Well, he spent basically a half of that first game against Sydney um, off the field uh, with with a rib injury. So so you can kind of discount that. Then last week, um, if Adelaide don't get first touch on the ball um, and, and possession, their outside players just cannot impact the game and they just had no ability to win the ball at clearance. Port just outclassed them. He is playing a little bit more of a high half forward wing. Contrast, for sake of a better example would be closer to how the Giants used Lockie Whitfield last year of the starting at the forward 50, try to then get that penetrating kick from the wing into that forward 50 entry. But Adelaide haven't been great at that for a long time, but definitely are struggling this year. So maybe that changes your tune a little bit, but I think Adelaide need to change up that midfield structure or they're just going to keep getting blown out of the water. So maybe we see him a little bit more through the centre.
1: Maybe, yeah. Look, Generally, if it's in fantasy, Brody Smith's more the kind of guy I could see trading out this week because he has been a little bit up and down over his career and there's no guarantee you'd say he's going to necessarily come back with the Crows playing. Mm. Uh, having said that, they do play at the Suns this week. So I think not that the Suns are necessarily uh, worse than Adelaide this year, but I think Brody Smith has tended to go big in the easier games, hasn't over his career? Yeah. So... um. Yeah, Just on the previous list as well, one other one I'd mention is McRae, which might fit into a bit of what Bridges was saying. The outside players are so far seeming to score a bit less. I think something the reason people are looking at him this week is that uh, he sort of got shifted out of the centre bounces a bit yeah. on the weekend. And where do we see his role? Is he likely to go back to his normal one or is he likely to stay on the outside for a few weeks or... Uh, What's the deal with him and and the Bulldogs midfield?
2: What's your take on that, Ritz?
0: Well, I don't think that the Bulldogs have been any good. So, I mean, they can't keep sticking to what they've done in the first two rounds, especially last week. They were flat out winning anything. So, in the midfield, usually was Dunkley, Smith and Bontempelli. So, and then, I mean, McRae got a couple very, very late. But... Who's likely to come in this week? So, is Libba coming back? Is McLean coming in? Yeah, they're available. I reckon their team their team sheets are going to dictate pretty much how they play and whether McCrae gets that midfield role again or not.
2: Yeah. The only notable so midfielder th- out is yeah. Lockie Hunter through suspension too. Sorry. Yeah.
1: True. Yeah, well, I was just saying, is Bailey Smith kicked McCrae out of the midfield this week then? or? Uh...
0: Like, out of the well, centre squares. Yeah. Well, does Bontempelli get tagged to a forward position this week? Hmm.
2: They've got to find a way to kick some goals, too.
0: So, I mean, McCrae was really weird because he actually wasn't playing on a wing a lot of the time, either. He was playing half-forward. So, I don't know whether he's carrying something, if he's if he had been carrying something. There's just too much unknowns. Like, And there's, we have no idea, like... You wouldn't have expected Dusty to be out this week with a rib injury because, like, I mean, Tim, you watched the game last week. There was no nothing that I, I saw or anyone else saw or indicated that he would have had sore ribs. So we have no idea what's happened in this break, potentially, that, you know, why guys might, might have scored slightly less than what they did previously it could even be a subject as stupid as um i saw hammy a soft you know a little bit of a twing in the calf, or whatever it is but there is potential that happens with such a long layoff
2: it's, yeah that's right it's very true it's very true so much about 2020 is so unknown um, and there's going to be a lot of
0: lessons learned on the other side um, well, well, MJ, we didn't even know half of these players were missing. There was no injury list. There was no updates. The training sessions were hard. They let go all of the good reporters that actually yeah. told the truth. We've kept the ones that like to sensationalize everything. And, and like, I mean, there's just no good info out there at the moment, is there? Well, it, like, it's I mean, become of absolutely. Yeah, one of the guys, Lee Gaskin or whatever from, you know, who who's absolutely nailed whatever. And he's been put off because of COVID or whatever yeah. for a period of time. So it's like someone who we've gone to as a reliable source previously. I think Whiting's another one from yeah. AFL. The guys that we've actually built some sort of trust about, there's none of that there. Yeah. Like, we don't have no idea what's going on, what's not.
2: Just another thing that makes navigating the 2020 season a little bit more difficult for us, hey, is the amount of communication, the amount of great resource um, has been impacted because of that. So, yeah, it's just another challenge and another obstacle for coaches to kind of find their way
0: through um, as they get to twenty twenty. Um, I just want to highlight one thing, MJ. Yes, please. Now, just just revisiting the Dusty Martin discussion from earlier. I just really want to harp on one point. There is a 17-game window to complete your team, okay? Mm. Two of those games are now gone. If you keep sideways trading premiums to premiums, and I know I suggested a few options, but... You've got to start thinking through this a little bit longer term. You're not going to get anywhere near a completed team by round 14, 15, especially if you cop the odd injury and suspension along the way.
2: It's true. In a normal season, again, every format's different. A little bit of luck, the injuries, you know, premiums, working out mid-prices. It is around that 14 to 15-game marker, isn't it, that we get to a completed season. Now, with the price changes and how they've been adjusted, um, both in terms of the frequency or how early it is, but how they've been monitored, that's going to help us a little bit. But it is still going to take us till round 12, 13, 14 to get completed sides and that's with a little bit of luck going our way
0: yeah and if you keep sideways in, after you've wasted four trades last week doing whatever you did and you didn't get reap the benefits in points it's a long season like you're gonna suck for the last five <laughs> rounds unfortunately that's yeah. just the way it is
2: yeah it's true um I'm intrigued. We keep talking about sideways in premiums. It was a conversation we had a little bit last week, too, in terms of targeting ones. And we only had nine games of data. I don't want to spend a heap of time um, circling back to that again. But we're seeing across all your fantasy footy formats, all of your different forums, and what we've seen in a number of the questions that have come through from some incredible friends and supporters um, uh, of the coaches' panel is a very similar conversations to what we have, which is around... What do we do with these mid these premiums that aren't flying for us? So the Whitfields, the mcraes Laird, Tom Mitchell, I suppose, we know is carrying a bit of a, a sore shoulder. McCluggage hasn't quite delivered to the levels we've seen. Dusty now is injured. Um, some of the mid-price guys haven't quite worked out to the level that was hyped. So a, a Brody Smith, a, a Dan Houston in the forward line a row bottom um, might be someone if you're looking for a unique through there. Are we just wasting our trades on these guys now? Or, or do we just? is there a point of settling in the year that we need to look at at all? What, what should we be doing with these underperforming players?
0: I think the definition of underperforming is the key to this, is it not? Yeah. Like, we have to manage our expectations. We're not going to see guys go out there and go on runs of 120 plus every week for AFL fantasy or Dream Team. Mm. Super coach potentially yes, but AFL fantasy and Dream Team, I don't think so. I don't know. Like, long story short, okay. What's what are people forecasting as the highest averaging defender for the year? Is it around 90? It would, I'm looking at Lloyd and Doherty potentially. Yeah. I think 85, In those two formats
2: of Dream Team and Fantasy, yeah, I think anyone that could go much higher than 95 is, that's pretty incredible if it's the
0: case. So even if you have someone who's going at 50 or 60, potentially you're only 25, 30 points off on any given week. So are they badly underperforming? Are they not bad? Like, I just don't know enough about this season. But I think people need to manage their expectations and judge it based on this season and not seasons gone by.
2: Because if we judge it by seasons gone by, um, then of course, it's a very different conversation that we're having. But again, as you've said a couple of times already on this episode, Ritz, 2020 is a unique year more than ever before.
0: Mate, if you've got a defender and you've paid $300,000, five, four hundred thousand a k, and he's average anywhere around of sixty five, seventy, that's almost a keeper for the year at this stage, is it not? Sadly, maybe it is. Yeah, sadly, maybe it is. You know, and I mean, outside of, I mean, what is now. We would have had Whitfield very high in your top 50, okay? And rightfully so because the potential of Whitfield compared to anyone else on a normal given year is Mm. massive, absolutely massive. But we have seen the outside types impacted more so. Whitfield is, I, I mean, would you spend top dollar on Whitfield? Now, I don't think that, yeah, I don't not think not now, so.
2: but would so, I trade him I mean, out? I don't know.
0: What is a premium forward then this year? Who would at this point in time, who is Tim? I'll ask you as well. Who are your guys' picks to be the top averaging forward for Dream Team or AFL Fantasy? Just trying to think
1: who's the uh, the top at the moment. I mean, I can. I'll you tell you, you the top to ten right them. now
2: in terms of averages. I'll just give you that to so give buy you some time Tim, to think. In terms well, of, I was
1: thinking Dusty is the first one off the Dusty. head. But uh, yeah, go for the rest.
2: Petra- uh, Petrarca, Ebert, Parfit, Smith, Walters, Wingard, Ablett, Langford, Martin. Rosie, and Simpkin. They are the players in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team that are forward eligible right now that have an so, average of 80 or more.
0: Right now, who of that top 10 would you have had in that top 10, potentially, at the start of the season? Like, maybe two, three names?
2: Yeah, probably Walters, Petrarca, you'd be thinking based off his preseason looked likely. Dusty. Dusty, maybe Wingard and, as
1: a, a well, smokey. Only- Probably probably people would have had Ablett in there for average, but probably would have Game guessed fight, he would yeah. miss, miss a few more games than he might this year with a shortened season.
0: So, again, my point is, what are we looking at? You can throw a blanket. In, I can make an argument for probably 20 different names to be the top player Yeah. at this stage. I have no idea who's going to be. Like, I mean, start the year, before all these limitations and restrictions and breaks in games. I would have had Whitfield as a clear number one. I I don't even have him in the top 15 at this point in time.
2: Well, yeah. And his role's completely weird at the moment too, playing sort of off half-back.
0: So, I think it's well worth potentially looking at someone who is slightly underpriced, who's potentially going to hit it. Bailey Smith might be the perfect option this year. Gary Ablett, as Tim just rightfully said, might be the perfect option because he doesn't have to get through 23 games of football. Mm. I mean, I, I, but again, it's subjective. It's objective. Like we're going to have a lot of kids, okay, going through. Buteric, um, who's forward eligible, might mm. average 55, 60. I mean, he's shown potential to do so. Yeah. Um the Fremantle kid, when he comes Stat, back, yeah. might go 50, 55. It's not going to take a lot for these rookies to get to 50, 55. We're only talking about your top forwards in averaging anywhere from 80 to 85. That's not a massive jump, is it? But you're going to be spending a lot of coin to get it. So yeah. you're going to have to be very, very wise on when you upgrade, guys. And when you spend that dollars. Because guys from the top aren't going to bottom out anywhere near where they were last year, the year before, and so on. So it's a real balancing act at the moment because the ceilings have been definitely... They've been shortened, you know? We're not going to... How likely are we to see anything around 150 in Dream Team or AFL Fantasy this year? Oh, I think
2: very unlikely. Honestly, very you know, somewhat- We might get one or two in the year, but that'll be it.
0: So 120 is now 150. What's a captain score in Dream uh, Team and Fantasy? Uh, 195.
2: Uh, yeah, it look depending on the matchups Probably of the 90, week. Yeah. yeah, I think it's hard to to go to sneeze at a ninety. The the difference is if you've got a player with a great matchup. So like in round one, we knew Brody Grundy had Tim English, and so there's a lot of people settling for a Doherty for a Crips ninety odd. I'm not going to knock that. But history suggested we were going to get that great score out of Grundy in round one. So I think that's the only caveat in Dream Team and AFL Fantasy I'd add on the mix is take that 90 as, as that captaincy score. But it also means if you get a 70 as a captaincy score, like we got with a McRae in the mid-60s, it's actually not as horrendous as we might
0: have thought. And so the, the one position that I think we can predict more likely than others would be Rucks, okay? Yeah. Now that's the one where you need to utilize a bit of common sense about it. I think someone like a Goldstein, with the lesson game time and quarter time and so on and so forth, potentially spends just as much time ruck in a normal season than what as he would be this time of the year. Okay, so for this season. So He is likely to be a top two, maybe top three ruck across all the formats this year because of the new situation. Mm. Would you have considered him at the start of the season? Very, very unlikely. We've seen in Supercoach guys like O'Brien, who have been rucking pretty much large percentage of games. Mm. Pitonet last week was average, to say the least, against Gorn. Gorn bashed him up. Mm. But he still went out and scored, what, 130-plus in, in Supercoach. Supercoach? Yeah. Well, like, it's really weird. Callum Sinclair scored 130 last week in Supercoach. Yeah, 90-odd in Dream Team and Fantasy, yeah. You know, so you're going to have to start thinking through that a little bit. Now, a source Jacobs, okay, last week potentially had an awful matchup. Okay, mm. they he had a Goldstein last week, which was never going to be a good matchup. No, he gets a fifty-five. People might be preempting a Jacobs to Gorn type trade this week, which I would think is madness considering the matchup this week that Tim the Jacobs English. has. He's got Tim English. Yeah. So again, you, people have to work through and not be reactive to the week before. Teams only play each other once. You're yeah. not going to get the opportunity of Gorn playing against Pitonet again this week. Yeah. Like, I'm not talking people out of that, I'm just making them aware of that. That's all.
2: Yeah, and I think we've got this interesting place of the world. Again, another unique challenge where we've only got really the visibility right now as we stand of the next three games – um, it's early next week, I believe, that the AFL are going to release the the following month or so of games so that interstate clubs um, can move or relocate to whichever interstate hub they may or may not be moving towards. Seems like there's going to be hubs all over the country at different points of times. at least for this next batch of games. So we're only ever going to see the next, what, three weeks? Maybe six weeks is the highest visibility we'll ever get. Um, throughout the year. So it does make that process of when to trade a player in or out of your side to maximise those fixture matchups that you're talking about, Rids. Again, it's just another unique challenge to navigate 2020.
0: So, I mean, now let's resurface back to the Dusty conversation. Mm. If Dusty Martin's only out for one week, you, you hold on to him. That's a no-brainer sure. decision, right? Yeah? And it doesn't matter what format we're talking about. The reality of the situation is if Sturt's back, if King's mm. shown a bit, Borderick, we've got rookies playing right now which are rightfully going to cover yep. Dusty and only potentially lose anywhere up to 20, 30 points for doing so, okay? Whereas, if someone gets injured with a hamstring, okay, a standard hamstring later in the season with this 10 rounds remaining, they're missing 30% of games left Mm. with three games out for a hamstring. That's going to impact you a lot more than a Dusty this week.
2: Yeah, and you throw in the caveat if it's a side that is not finals bound, like an Adelaide, then what's the risk for them? So it's just that other extra added element to kind of throw in
0: there um, for for coaches to kind of navigate their way through. And the other thing as well, MJ, we we saw Melbourne come out, make radical changes last week. They brought Mm. in Harley Bunnell, they brought in um, the Rivers, and They've got some kids there now. No. Okay, we're not gonna have this opportunity again at some point in time in the season. We can't predict that. Mm. If you're bypassing yeah. some of these rookies to make a bit of coin off and doing a sideways track I just I'm just not convinced sideways in it this early in the season's a smart move anyway.
2: Well, It always is. What's the priority in early part of the year? It's the dilemma that most coaches face every single year. Do I get rid of the underperforming premium or do I get that cash generation? I think this year more than ever before, I would be so much more tempted to make sure that it's the cash cows that you want to nail. Um, more than ever before because it's going to get harder at the back end of the year to get those big-end dogs because they're not dropping as much cash. Now, we might not need them, as you've said, about re-evaluating out what is the new premium number across all
0: of the lines. But, yeah, got to get that cash right, man. It's the cash. It's always been about cash. Yeah. I know people will tell you it's always about points, but really it comes hand in hand. The reality of the cash increases the output of the points at some point in time. The other thing on top of that is rookies who are averaging more earlier on in their season make more cash, which yeah. allows you to actually bring in and conserve more trades later. It's a it really goes in hand in hand with this. Yeah. Like where if you start utilising trades and using trades to go up, uh, premium to a premium or whatever it is, that's when it starts to hurt. Super coach is obviously slightly different this year to normal years because I think we're going to have enough trades anyway to get to a certain outcome. AFL fantasy is weird because they've got those three trades a week as I was talking about earlier. But potentially right now you could be doing two downgrades and an upgrade to get to a better scoring position than what you are currently so dream team however is just madness I I wouldn't be suggesting sideways trade in anyone this year of course there's a little bit of fix ups the first week because you you might have people missing or people whatever it is it is the reality Mm -hmm. is though now after the first week like since they've come back you can't keep been reactive with only so little trades now yeah no fair enough and
1: there's there's no guarantee that we keep getting all these good rookies for the rest of the year either like it's i remember the last couple of years everyone at the start of the season is going look we don't have the rookies that we used to have at the start but this year it seems all right after two rounds Mm. Um, and so people are more looking at sideways type trades because it feels like there's a lot of cash generation going on but um, I mean, it might continue, but equally, this could be it. You know, yeah. you might look back and go, gee, I wish I made money in the the first few rounds."
0: Yeah, because yeah, you might not be like later on. That's a perfect point, Tim. Late, like, like seasons gone past, you might be downgrading to a new cow that surfaces. Mm. This point in time, we might ride off M11 D8 F8 at some yeah. point in time, and just go to the cheapest guy that could possibly pick up a game late in the season.
2: Yeah.
0: Like there's a whole new world here at the moment, but it means you've got to capitalize on the rookies while they're here now. Like you you won't have three or four rounds to let someone fatten. No. You've got to pretty much keep that rotation happening and making that cash while it's there. Yeah. You know, Ben Benel, he's a week to week proposition, surely, yeah. Mm, yeah, but I mean, we're not going to find a better rookie out there if he's fit. Like, there's no guarantee that um, a Hibbard comes along and actually plays. Is there, mm. like, for accident? There's no. no guarantees that any of these rookies that we we're expecting to play games actually come along and play games. We've we've been lucky with Gold Coast. We got the Raul, Andersons, just okay. Yeah. Borderick, you know, there's a few there. Sharp, is there any guarantee Sharp gets a game this year? Yeah, I know he looked good early, but we have no indication that he's close or not close. Mm. Flanders
2: is the only you one, know? probably is. Yeah,
0: you know, like if so, if you've got Naismith this week, okay, and you're thinking to yourself, so I do have Naismith in Super Coach. Yeah, so I've got this problem as well. I've got Dusty, and I've got Naismith. Yeah. I'd be more inclined to move Naismith on to uh, Pitonet or whatever else. But the reality is, it's not going to impact or ruin your season if you hold on to both of these guys.
2: No. Especially so, if you've got the cover of the Camerons, the the Sturts, the Taylors, the Kings,
0: et cetera. Correct, mate. And the Bordericks and whoever else is out there. Because they could be giving you 50, 60, 70 on any given week. Yeah. Like, no, I mean, I last week, who. What Darcy Cameron, without even rucking a hell of a lot, ended up with 70 something in Supercoach. Yeah. You know, which is, you you take that, won't you?
2: Yeah. And if same, this is like 50 odd in, in Dream Team and AFL Fantasy as well. This year, you take scores like that from anyone, just about, let alone a cash cow.
0: Whereas I was looking at, say, Naismith to a Gorn in Supercoach. And we'll just talk about Supercoach for a mm. second. I think that's like $450,000 yeah. to do that. Yeah. Look, I mean, if you're going to make that trade, surely you bring in a pittanet and cash in the the dollar figure, get the rise and then go back to a nice whip and then get the rise again. Yeah. Because we got those trades that can be used. But you're not going to have the ability to bring in these high-end premiums. And everyone's going to jump on Bonte Pelli in three weeks' time. I can guarantee you that now with Supercoach. Everyone's going to jump on... I mean... You watch, last week it was Viney as the hype guy. Whoever it is this week, there'll be another hype guy. And I guarantee you next week will be another hype guy. Every week. It will change every single week. And 99% of the time will be the guy regarded the week before as not an option.
2: Yeah, well, we saw that with only
0: a week ago was no
2: correct and now he's the must have defender outside of in some people's eyes Jeremy Howe Um, it's just it's fascinating to see um, how quickly it changes if you want to go see those break evens that Rids is talking about too in terms of the negative players and how much potential cash they've got to make we've got the links for you at coachespanel.tv before we do wrap up the episode there are a couple of thank yous we've got to get to a couple of new Patreons uh, over the past few weeks have joined on big thanks to Tom Lye for your support Daniel Atkinson Peter Collins and Paul Vincent have all joined uh, the Patreon army in helping support the Coaches Panel. You can do that too at any tier you like. Uh, We greatly appreciate any of your support over at CoachesPanel.tv. That's where you can get all the links. There's some extra bonus exclusive content and access to the panel you can go and check out. Before we wrap up the episode, Ed J, just
0: quickly, um, I remembered seeing a ring or something a while back, you know, as the champion.
2: There is a championship ring that is uh, up for grabs as well as the Nobel Coel this year. So if you want the, the juicy details on that, all the links are at coachespanel.tv where you can prove yourself to be the best coach in 2020.
0: But if you want to, okay, just I'm sure if you message the page or anything like that, we'll give you some details of where you can actually acquire purchase one of these rings. They are brilliant. Yeah. If
2: you want a little bit of bling to be able to show off about how good you are in your draft league or in your uh, salary cap league, We'll hook you up. We'll do a post this week. We'll let you see these bad boys. They are phenomenal. You don't want to miss them. Yeah,
0: they're awesome. And I'm definitely chasing one after it now. Keep a leak. Let me tell
2: you. I bet you're going to have a whole handful of those rings. You'll look like Michael Jordan, mate. Um, if things go your way by the end of this league, let's fly through some of the questions that have hit us via Twitter and also by Facebook. Rapid fire questions for you lads tonight. Uh, We'll throw it to you, Tim. First, is Jordan Dawson getting horsed, and should we sell the high? While it's still there. Is it time to get rid of Jordan Dawson, Tim?
1: I can't answer that one. Sorry, I don't know what Jordan Dawson's done this season.
2: He's playing <laughs> everyone. Wanna... He's doing the same thing he did last year. He's he's missed to fix it. I right. say sell.
1: Well you sell. Go yeah. for it. <laughs>
2: There you go. Well, that's good. George uh, Ox, good friend uh, at Ryder sometimes here at coachespanel.tv. Reads it's a dream team question for you. He says, should I trade Jack McRae to Petrarca? Matra- um, Martin playing his role for me, but Petrarca looming as uh, someone that won't be much cheaper for much longer and looks like a top six forward.
0: Um, uh, why would you do that? Well, that's why he's asking. Should he? Well, uh, this is meant to be rapid, quick, rapid. i yes. uh, do what you want, but I wouldn't. Why well, would never do that?
2: Is that just because Martin's doing enough?
0: Oh, Mate, as soon as you trade him, I guarantee you, McRae's going to be averaging 100 for the rest of the year and is going to smell like That was awful Jack Martin, again. as in Carlton Martin. Sorry. But, Jack Martin, not McRae. Jack Martin, not
2: yeah. Jack McCrae. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Very different. Oh, well, uh, oh.
2: that's a fix up trade for me, absolutely. go do
0: Why it. are you traded in Jack Martin in the first instance?
2: Sorted out, Jordox. Did, someone,
0: did Jordox start with him or something? Did he?
2: I would presume, based on the question, he did.
0: Oh, Stop. my goodness gracious me. There you go, Jordox. Um, yeah, Here's just, your answer, just mate. trade. Trade, mate. Me. Trade. Just, yeah, who cares? But, I mean, if it's only going to be five or 10, 15 points max. So, it's up to you. I'd make those points up elsewhere. All right. Fair enough. Uh,
2: Jim Bob wants to know, Tim, it's an AFL fantasy question. Three of these players he's going to get rid of. Uh, which of the three should he be getting rid of? Sicily, Brodie Smith, Patrick Cripps, Tim English, Lockie Whitfield or Devon Smith? Which uh, of those six <laughs> names he's got, to, he's got to get rid of three, mate? Who are you telling him to get rid of?
1: Firstly, English, because yep. he's not scoring like a premium and there is so much value in the rucks. Like the, the top-end guys are dominating. There's like value throughout, you know, Jacobs, Pitnett, May Smith when he's back. Like definitely English would be one. I'm yep. sure he can get something out of that. What were the other names? you uh, Brody
2: Smith, Sicily, like? Cripps, Whitfield and Devon.
0: Probably Brody. Why would you Smith. get rid of Devon? Yeah. Sorry, Tim, but why would you get rid of Devin? Didn't he score 100 only two weeks ago or whatever, or close enough to yeah. it?
2: Devin Smith's uh, past two scores uh, for the record. He's currently... Uh, Was
0: it 90-something?
2: Uh, he's got an average of uh, 55. Uh, yeah, I think
1: he did well in Supercoach, not in yeah. Fantasy. So 70 much.
2: and 60 is what he's done.
1: Yeah, he's been better in Supercoach, I think. Um, yeah. In Fantasy, look... I'd, Honestly, of the names you'd mentioned, I'd trade English. I'd probably trade Brody Smith if it was me. The rest sure. of them, I really don't. Wouldn't be in a great big hurry to trade the rest of them. Like if there's something else you can do, if you can, if you're missing a rookie or something, I'd probably yeah. go for that. Because like Devon Smith, even if he's averaging sixty-five, if you make that in terms of previous years, that's sort of your typical eighty-five, ninety average for his first two games. I think that's pretty fine, really.
2: Yeah, look, maybe that's where we talked about earlier this episode where you move the Whitfield down, you get that extra 2-300k and go get a 75 80 forward and that's enough for you this year. Maybe it's enough, who knows. Yeah. Um, so
1: basically, it's, we go with uh, Brody Smith English and Whitfield down out of those.
2: Yeah, I, I wouldn't be trading Sicily. Um, Tigers, I give up plenty of points to defenders um, and he's got the Tigers this week. So he, he's not a trade out for me. A couple of other questions. We'll fly through quickly. Rodney T, I'll answer this one, mate, super quickly for you. Super coach, she's got English at R2. Should I be booting him? And if so, who's the best trade options? We've spent a lot of time, mate, talking about Rucks this week. Time for Timmy English to go. It's not quite delivered what you want, given they've got some Rucks that are killing it. Is Hunter Clark a point of difference worth chasing, Tim? In any format?
1: What's he priced at?
2: Well, he's he's a stepping stone but he's scoring enough to be considered a premium in Dream Team and and AFL Fantasy um, if we're revaluing what a premium can deliver. (sighs)
1: I I don't know enough about Hunter Clark, sorry, but he's averaging. He's 70. playing a good role. Yeah,
2: he's, he's got playing a, good role. a good role. He got 89 last week, 70 is his seasonal average so far. I think he's fine. I, I don't think you need to I go and chase him, but I think he'll be fine. But
0: what what's, the diff, what? what's the point of difference to what, though? Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm sort of saying. So, why would you want someone averaging 70 as a point of difference? Like, you might as well. Get someone who's averaging sixty or eighty, or look, I mean, I don't understand the thought process.
2: Yeah, I, I, I would. If you want him, I'd get him at the back end of the year, I, I, and you want to see a bit more. He's only had one really good game. Granted, we've only had two I mean, games.
0: I, but. The exception to that, though, MJ, is if he's a Saints supporter and he, yeah, he likes he him, like, well, go out and grab him. Like, yeah. why not?
2: Yeah, no, fair enough, too. Uh, last two questions uh, before we wrap up. Uh, is Rory Lead still a top six defender, Rids? Yes or no?
0: Glad well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> he's close enough
2: The ball's going to be down there enough I would say yes He, he probably. I reckon
0: he he's going there. to have plenty of opportunities To average top six
2: Lots of balls are heading down in the Adelaide backline That is for sure And then last question before we rack up the episode Rids, Is Jai Simpkin breaking out Or is it just a false dawn, yes or no?
0: No, nah, no, nah, he's breaking out, mate He's had a massive preseason. He's definitely got the midfield role He's definitely talented um, he came into the AFL system um, injured. So there was every chance that he's going to take a year or two. He's breaking out. Just just trust him.
2: Yep. Jump on board, friends. That's us this week. Uh, we'll chat to you soon here at the Coaches Panel. Thanks for listening. Thanks for t- keeping in touch at coachespanel.tv. And there's some live streams coming to Facebook very, very soon.